0: Once upon a time, there was a prince who rode his carriage to town on an errand for his father. As he was riding through a rather poor section of town, he happened to glance out the window and right into the eyes of a beautiful maiden. In the days that followed, he returned to that section of town, and once or twice he actually had the good fortune to meet the beautiful woman. Soon he began to feel that he was in love with her. But now he had a problem. How should he go about winning her hand and making her his bride? Of course, he could order her to the palace and use the pressure of his royal office to force her to marry him. But even a prince would like to feel that the girl who married him did so because she wanted to, not because she had to. He could masquerade as a peasant and try to gain her interest. He could continue to visit her part of town each day and head back to the palace at night unbeknownst to her. And then after he proposed, he could pull off his mask and reveal his true identity. But such a masquerade would be phony, and the prince had too much integrity to attempt that approach. Finally, another possibility presented itself to his mind. He would actually discard his kingly robes, leave his royal estate, and move into the neighborhood where the beautiful maiden lived. He would get a job as an ordinary workman, perhaps as a carpenter. He would get acquainted with the people and learn to share their interests and concerns. He would learn to speak their language. In due time, should good fortune be with him, he would introduce himself to the maiden in a very natural and normal way. Should she come to love him as he had already come to love her, then he would ask for her hand in marriage. And that's what he did. He moved into her neighborhood, he became a commoner, and in fact, had come to know this maiden. And then when she did come to love him, he told her who he really was. And I'm happy to report they were married. And to the best of my knowledge, they lived happily ever after. This story told more than a century ago by the Danish philosopher Soren Kierkegaard, is really a parable of Christmas. You see, like the prince, God was in love not with a maiden, but the whole world. God longed to win that world to himself and to bring it into a loving and harmonious relationship with himself so that God and the world could live happily ever after. But how is God to accomplish that purpose? God could have ordered us to love him, you know, love me or else. But love that isn't voluntarily given is not worth having. Forced consent is not love. He could have tried a masquerade, but that would have been deceptive. The only thing God could do to win our love and affection was to meet us on our level. So God came to us on our own terms. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. God discarded his kingly robes and took up residence in our neighborhood, right where you and I live. God came down from his heavenly palace to walk these streets of ours, sharing our interests and concerns, speaking our language, communicating his own love for us in such a way that we could grasp it. It's astonishing when you think about it. You know, God must really have loved us human beings to have gone to so much trouble. As Joseph M. Stowell put it, the stunning point of Christmas is that God considered my needs and the worth of my relationship to Him to be sufficient cause to go through the trauma of changing places. God went through all the trauma of coming to earth as He did because God loves us, because we are worth it and are worth saving, because God wants our love in return. And if God was out to win the love of human beings, then God chose a very effective strategy indeed. For God came as a baby of all things. Imagine God in a cradle. Everyone can relate to a baby. They are disarming and accessible and immediately lovable. The fearsome Lord of the universe who resided in heavenly splendor and in a faraway palace and who no one had seen all of a sudden had a human face, the face of an infant. He had become one of us and was therefore approachable and touchable. If God wanted to communicate his love, he couldn't have thought of a better way. And that baby grew up and he walked our streets. Jesus, they called him, Emmanuel, God with us. And he communicated his love for us in a thousand different ways. In ways we could understand and grasp and accept. He not only taught that God is love, but demonstrated it. He healed the sick gave sight to the blind, reached out to social outcasts. He became a friend of sinners. He valued every human being he met. He let everyone know in no uncertain terms that God really did care about them. And the love story continues because this Jesus, who had so much to say about love and forgiveness, was cruelly nailed to a wooden beam. The child who once reached out to his mother from a manger now reaches out to you and to me from a cross, arms outstretched as though beckoning us to come to him, as though welcoming us into his loving embrace. Who cannot help but be touched by such love? The manger and the cross tells us that there is no end to which God will not go to demonstrate his great love for us. God did it all for love, for the love of you and me and for the world he created. From beginning to end, it's a love story of the highest order. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That's what Christmas is all about. It's what Easter is all about. It's what the Bible is all about. The question is, will you and I receive that love? The love story isn't complete until we do. We cannot live happily in this life or in the life to come until we do. Of course, God's love can be refused. Love must always entertain the possibility of rejection. But the gospel writer John tells us that to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God. Receive is the operative word here. God's love in Jesus Christ must be received. Mary received that love, so did Joseph, so did the shepherds and the wise men. They rejoiced in the wonders of God's love as they bowed before the child in the manger. In the presence of such a king, they understood God's love as they had never understood it before. They knew themselves to be beloved and precious children of God. And they responded not only in praise and adoration, but in faith and trust and in commitment to do God's will. Loved by God, they loved God in return, giving him their hearts and their very lives in gratitude. God had won their allegiance and their love, and God would win ours. Do we love God? Can we place ourselves at the foot of the manger or at the foot of the cross and see what God has done for us? How precious we are to him. God's in love with us and wants to win us over that we might enjoy a right relationship with him and know his joy and peace. Dear friends, if God has loved us enough to move into our neighborhood, exchanging a heavenly throne for a rock-hewn manger and a rough wooden cross, it's only fitting that we should receive him by loving him in return, giving our very selves to him lost in wonder and praise. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Amen.